congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Some time ago, I read an article in the magazine about the beneficial effect of thankfulness. The article states that science is now proving that feeling grateful can actually make us healthier. It says that a thankful person will sleep better, exercise more, and feel more optimistic. A thankful person is also more alert and active. Such people are less depressive, envious, and anxious, and much more likely to help others. They're also much healthier. The article also says that it has been scientifically proven that being grateful has great benefits not only for the thankful person, him or herself, but also for those people with whom that person comes into contact. Those who have learned to be grateful were less materialistic and therefore more willing to part with their possessions and their pleasure to be around. So that's good to know. However, although the article tells you about a lot of things that you, that you should be thankful for, it does not tell you to whom you should be thankful. And although it speaks about material and mental health, it doesn't say anything about spiritual health. Brothers and sisters, it's good and well to be thankful for all kinds of things, which can make you and others feel happy. But is that what it is all about? Is it about the things that make us feel good? Is it about me and my happiness? Think about it. Who is the one who gives you all these things? Who, for example, gives you life? Who gives life to a baby? Who lights up the sky with the sun and the moon and the stars? Who makes the crop to grow? All a farmer has to do is put the seed in the ground. Who does the rest? Who made that seed in the first place? Who is the one who gives you everything? Brothers and sisters, if you want to be thankful, you cannot leave God out of the picture else we receive all these things to our condemnation. And so Paul tells us not only to be thankful, but especially to be thankful to God. He says, give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's also the theme for this morning's service. Give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we will say, then we will give thanks to him in the first place always and then for everything, but especially in everything. We'll see later what the difference is. So Paul says that we must give thanks to God the Father. For us it is normal to refer to God as our Father. After all, that is what the Lord Jesus has taught us in his perfect prayer. And so that's also how we address God. But this is something totally new for those new 
Testament believers. The Jews rarely, if ever, refer to God as their father. They would reserve that name only for their own father, perhaps, or perhaps for their rabbi. To, God, to, to call God our father is much too intimate. And yet that's what Paul does. For he says to the Galatians in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, because God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, you can call God Abba, Father, for you are no longer a slave, but a son and an heir. We have been adopted as God's children, and therefore we may call God our Father. The term Abba indicates childlike intimacy and trust. How did we become children of God? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why Paul says that we must give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, we can only approach the Father through the Son. He is the door through whom we can enter. And behind that door are all kinds of riches. The way it works in the world, when you know someone's name, doors are opened. We'll see more about that this afternoon, Lord willing. You often get ahead in life, not so much because of what you know, but because of who you know. If you are on intimate terms with the boss of the company, then you are much more likely to get a job promotion. Or if you know a rich philanthropist, then you are much more likely to receive some money or favor from him than if you were a stranger to him. And if other people know that you are on intimate terms with an influential person, then they will want to use you in order to get favors from that person. Just ask the lobbyists to governments how important it is to know names. Well, if you know the name of the Lord Jesus and honor and respect him, then you too may be on intimate terms with the Almighty God, the creator of all things. You may call him your father in heaven because you are his child and he created you. And he is the one who provides you with everything you need. It's for that reason that we also give thanks to God at mealtime and do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give thanks to him on special occasions, for example, on birthdays and anniversaries. Every good gift comes from God, for he is the source, the support, and the end of all things. The very breath in our mouths is a free gift from God. Thankfulness is the opposite of selfishness. The selfish person says, I deserve what comes to me. Other people ought to make me happy. But the mature Christian realizes that life is a gift from God and that the blessings of life come only from his bountiful hand. We thank God especially for deliverance. That is what Israel did after they were rescued in the desert from the Egyptians when the Lord God led them through the Red Sea on dry land. In Exodus 15, we read how they composed a song of praise and of thanksgiving to God for their deliverance. 
But we of all people should thank God for our deliverance. For from what have we been delivered? From eternal condemnation, from hell, from hopelessness, from despair. We have been given the promise of eternal life and the resurrection from the dead. And who delivered us from all these things? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so we of all people have really something to be thankful for. And isn't that also something to sing about? Indeed. It's interesting to note that Paul connects up, connects up our thanksgiving with music and singing. He says in verse 19 that we should address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. In some homes, there's a lot of music. How wonderful. Music is a tonic to the soul. Music has a great calming effect. It affects the emotions. How can you be thankful when you how can you not be thankful when you think praises to when you sing praises to God? You can't sing with a frown on your face. Try it. You can't. It's impossible. And no wonder that God tells us to sing. How liberating it is that at the time of the Reformation, singing was once again done by the people in the pew and not by professional singers. Paul uses three words, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Not all commentators agree as to what these three designations refer. Are these three words synonyms or are they three different categories of songs? That's not clear. What is clear is that a psalm points to a song with accompaniment and that a hymn often indicates a song for a choir and that spiritual songs refer to songs prompted by the Spirit. However, we do not know exactly what songs Paul is referring to. But we do know something about the content of these songs. And that is made more clear from a parallel text in Colossians 3, verse 16, where Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here he refers to the words of Christ. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. And so most commentators conclude that these songs refer not only to the Old Testament psalms, but that they are also songs in which the works of salvation through Jesus Christ are expressed. And so these songs have their origin in the Word of God, as we find them both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. There are some families who are very musical and who sing psalms and hymns all the time in their homes. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful way to express your thankfulness to God. And when you sing praises to God, then you cannot be negative. And when I was a little boy growing up, I remember that my older sister would burst out in song whenever she heard some cross words being spoken in our home. 
as soon as he started singing a psalm or a hymn, the acrimony would stop. Singing praises to God reminds us of his presence. It reminds us of his goodness. Try that next time you feel depressed and miserable. Singing praises to God will lift your spirit. You will experience God's presence. Satan will flee. He hates it when you sing praises to God. He hates it when you and I are happy because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. As you know, Christ himself is the word. All psalms and hymns and spiritual songs must find their content in the word of God. We read in Psalm 72, verse 20, that our psalms are the same as prayers. For it says there, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And these prayers refer to the preceding psalms. Prayers are the same as psalms. Just like our prayers have to be in accordance with God's word, so do our psalms and hymns. And brothers and sisters, we must express our thankfulness in every way we can. For some people, it's harder to be thankful than others. By nature, they're not easily satisfied or things have happened to them that really sadden them. And by nature, we are not easily satisfied or we think about negative things all the time. And that's what unthankful people do. And negative people often have a lot of personal problems. And it's especially those kinds of people who need to be reminded to give thanks to God always. Grouchy, unappreciative people are joy killers. I remember once when I was a teenager that a young woman who had recently become a new convert came out of church doing a joyful and playful little dance. But then she got rebuked by an older sister in the Lord. She told her not to do that. And you could just see the joy drain from her face. The young lady was happy because of the new joy, newfound joy that she had in the Lord. Of course, in our worship, we have to be dignified. But you can be dignified in your joy as well. As we know from 2 Samuel 6 to 14, David danced before the Lord with all his might when the ark was brought into Jerusalem. David knew what the ark represented, namely the manifestation of God's presence, and he wanted to express his joy. However, his wife, Michael, the daughter of Saul, ridiculed David. She stole his joy, for she rebuked him for making a fool of himself. As a result, the Lord punished her, and she had no children to the day of her death. The Lord God wants us to express our joy, for that shows our thankfulness. And we can express that joy everywhere. There's never an inappropriate time that we cannot sing praises to God. We can sing during joyful occasions and also during sad occasions. We can express our thanks to God before a game of sports or express our thanks to him before a difficult task. And that's what God's people did, for example, before battle. We read in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21, that Jehoshaphat appointed men 
to sing to the Lord, it says there, and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. But it says in the text that it must be from the heart. The Lord does not just listen to the sound of your voice, how beautiful it is, but he listens to the beat of your heart, whether it beats for him. You have to believe the words that you sing. And the words have to well up from inside of you. And you have to give thanks for everything. We come to the second point. I heard of a minister who was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always had something to be thankful for. And one Sunday morning the weather was stormy and dark. It was gloomy outside. And then one of the elders said, I wonder if the minister will be able to thank God for anything on a day like this. It's awful outside. But much to surprise, the minister began that service by saying, we thank you, Lord, that it is not always like this. This minister understood what it means to give thanks for everything. Because the same God who rules the universe when times are good is the same God who rules the universe when times are not so good. And he has his own purposes for everything. He promises us in his word that he will turn to our good whatever adversity comes our way. But it doesn't mean that God intends for us to be thankful for everything that happens. But he does expect us to be thankful in everything that happens. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What does it mean to be thankful in all circumstances? Well, when you're involved in a car accident, then you don't thank God for the accident. But you do thank God that you weren't hurt more seriously. And when you have dirty dishes, then you don't thank God for the dirt, but then you thank him for the food that makes the dishes dirty. Brothers and sisters, it is our nature to want to thank the Lord only for the things that we enjoy. But there are many other not so pleasant things that are nevertheless good for us and that we should thank God for even if we don't appreciate it at the moment you all know about Jonah don't you you know who he was he was swallowed up by the big fish but while Jonah was in the fish not knowing what was going to happen to him whether he was going to live or die he nevertheless gave thanks to the Lord he prayed as we read in Jonah 2 verse 9, but I with a voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Incredible. He gave thanks inside the belly of that fish. In spite of the terrible position that he found himself, he nevertheless expressed his faith in the Lord. He knew that one way or the other God would deliver him. For he is the God of all creation. And he is the one who is in control of all things. But Paul was also keenly aware of that. 
He says in Philippians 4 that he gives thanks to God in all circumstances. He says that he knows what it is to be in want <clears throat> and what it is to have plenty. In all things he gives thanks to God. And he said these things while he was in prison. He even found it a blessing that God put him in prison. For listen to what he says in Philippians 1 verse 12 and following. I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He realizes that even in the most miserable circumstances, God has a purpose. The Lord uses his imprisonment to bring others to faith. Paul gives thanks in all circumstances, even for the things that were withheld from him. He prayed, for example, to the Lord that to the Lord that the thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, be removed from him. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 and following. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Whenever Paul had a problem, he always knew a way of giving thanks to the Lord. He totally trusted that in God that no matter what came his way, the Lord would turn it to his good. Perhaps some of you have heard of Corrie ten Boom. She was a joyful and courageous Christian who, together with her sister, was arrested by the Germans during World War II and thrown into a concentration camp for the crime of hiding Jews during the German occupation. The conditions in that camp were horrible. But in spite of all that and in spite of the prohibition against it, Corey brought the glorious gospel to all the other inmates. But then one day, all the inmates were moved to another barrack. The conditions were even worse there. The place was full of fleas. But she thought to herself, God must have some reason for this. There must be something to be thankful for. And then it hit her. Because of the fleas, the guards did not want to enter the barrack. What an opportunity. Now she was free from the danger of the guards and was able to proclaim the gospel without interference from them. And so she thanked God for the fleas. Can you think of anything in your life for which to be thankful? Put it all into perspective. How has God blessed you? We live like kings, don't we? There's never been a generation before us who is richer than ours. We have freedom of worship. We have every material blessing possible. And yet we do complain a lot, don't we? That's a lot easier, isn't it? 
And there are some people who do nothing but complain. And then we may think that they complain because they have so many problems. But the truth is that often they have a lot of problems because they complain so much. You cannot be spiritually healthy if you complain a lot. Instead, find something to be thankful for, always. And start with your family and do that regularly. Do you give thanks for your, for your wife when you have your prayers together for your husband? Do you do that on a regular basis? And do you give thanks for your children? And do you mean it? And do you give thanks for each other? And what about in the church? It's easy to tear your brothers and sisters in the Lord apart. And to do that to the elders and the deacons and the minister. It's not hard to find fault. It's very easy actually. But do you give thanks for them on a regular basis? Do you give thanks from the heart for the fact that you have men who watch over your souls? Do you give thanks for the fact that there are ministers who come to you with the glorious gospel of salvation? Oh sure, ministers are not perfect, far from it. They all have their limitations and idiosyncrasies, and I sure do. But it says in Ephesians that they are God's gift to you. It's not that you can't criticize, but it has to be done in love. It has to be a building. Instead of complaining and grumbling about the other members of the church or about your brother or your sister or whoever, think about ways that you can improve them and help them and highlight the good qualities that they have. That's the only way that change can come about. There's no such thing as a perfect church. For there's something wrong with each and every one of us. But the Lord teaches us to first look at the great log in our own eyes before we take the speck out of the speck of dust out of our brother's eye. Give thanks. Give thanks always and for everything and in everything. There is lots to be thankful for, especially within this church. For here, in this church, God's word is proclaimed. This is where you can hear about your salvation. This is where you can hear about and experience the forgiveness of sins. This is where you can hear about God's great love for his creation, about his great love for you. Do you know how you show yourself to be a thankful person? When you praise God enthusiastically from the heart. Every day. You're a thankful person when you spend time with him in prayer. You're a thankful person when you forgive others. You are thankful when you serve in God's church. You are thankful when you share with others God's plan of salvation. You show yourself to be thankful when you reach out to hurting people. Brothers and sisters... Boys and girls, all of us, elderly, be thankful. The more thankful you are, the more spiritually healthy you are. And so give thanks to God always and in everything and for everything. Amen.